This is going to be a strange episode today. I'm back after about over a month hiatus. A lot of things went down and everything. A lot of things that required a lot of thinking and kind of pondering and just kind of figuring out what was what and everything. So it's been a minute. Like I said, sometimes I just have a lot of ideas and thoughts. And, you know, because I'm going through this journey and everything, I have thoughts and I'll fire them off. And other times I got to really think. Sometimes bigger things come up and then I have to really sit back and I have to just go over what's going on in my head right now. Why am I feeling this way? Why am I thinking this? So, interesting development. So, as, as I said last time, I kind of cut ties with the outside world, kind of. And I said I was going into the pit. And basically, I was following this depression and following this loneliness, following this other negative emotions. And I was going to follow them to their natural conclusion and everything. Because I was like, you know what? I need to find out where this is coming from. I'm, I'm about tired of going to counseling and just going in the same circles and just feeling the same way. And I said, well... I'd rather find out the epicenter of this and sit on the fringes and just kind of deal with the peripheral effects and kind of feel bad for myself. I'm like, it's not getting me anywhere. I'm not really getting anywhere in life. And I'm like, listen, if there's a, if there's a location at the epicenter of this, I'll start packing a lunch sack and I'll start trekking there. So I put that last episode out and I really went into my personal life a little bit. And I was like really digging in deep. I was just kind of sifting through everything. Notice I wasn't, like I said... And I wasn't out there to take shots at anybody because, frankly, it's not worth my time or anybody's time. Because, frankly, the truth of the matter is taking shots at people doesn't get you anywhere. Like I said, you've been on the internet for five seconds. It gets you nothing in life. Nor should you really desire that. But you should try to find out the truth. And you've got to dig. And you've got to step on toes. Eh, that comes with That's collateral. Sorry. That's life. Life is full of collateral. You know? And so that, that was the nature of it. It wasn't like going after, like I said... Do I have something against people personally? No, it's, it's a little more nuanced than that. There, there are interactions that are problematic. There are interactions that lead me to feel certain ways. There are interactions that lead me to ponder certain conclusions. That's all that is because you know what? It just is because I sit here and live this life. And so somewhere along the line, somebody had heard it, someone closer to me, and had taken exception to some of the things that I said. And it just shows how where I've kind of changed in my life because there was a time where, you know, I would get uber defensive about that. Kind of like, what are you doing? Why Why you even care? You know? But you have to sit back and take every person for what they're saying and try to figure out where they're coming from. I really credit Dan Carlin for this. Dan Carlin, who does like hardcore history, did a political podcast called Common Sense. I don't agree with everything he says, but I do like the way he approaches life. And it really did help me kind of grow. During this, this dark period of my life and everything where he kind of said he had a statement. His father told him was walk a mile in the other guy's shoes. Something that makes dealing with somebody with a conflicting per point a lot easier. If you walk a mile in their shoes, you don't see them as an archetype or just a bad guy and everything, right? So people who I've had problematic relationships with, I try to walk a mile in their shoes. I try to see it. Sometimes I can't see it. It's just, it's unknown to me. It's something I've never seen and never heard of and have no idea. And that's just, listen... We don't know everything. We don't know every person's life story. Like I said, every person's loneliness is different. Mine comes from a weird place. Having had friends, having had good relationships, to kind of having this sort of bizarro world where everything's inverted. And I'm looking around going, what's going on? And I had to really like it for myself. Just kind of get in there and dig. This person came up to me, you know, and like I said, we talked about it and everything. And I was like, listen, I was hearing them out and hearing their side and everything. And I listened. I just kind of held firm and said, listen, this is my torpedo boat. I'm the captain of it. I'm going to do more episodes. I'm going to talk about this. I ain't not talking about this. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like there's no way I'm going to sit here 
and try to dig because I people think, okay, why you do these episodes, you know, for voyeurism or this and that. I don't know what people think. Don't really care at this stage. That's a good thing about being lonely. I don't really have that sort of block over my head of caring what people think. It's trying to be honest because maybe in a lot of ways this is for me. I do go back and listen to some of my episodes because it is kind of a nice document of where my mind is at, how I'm feeling, what am I looking at, how am I looking at the world, do I, do I seem more depressed this time, how am I improving, because it helps me too. I'm one of the people that listen to my podcast. Yeah, it seems kind of narcissistic. It's not. It's hearing myself because talking about it really does suss out some details that I may not be aware of just sitting around feeling away. But when I talk about it, when I verbalize it, when I speak it out and I hear my voice talking about it and the tone and the way I kind of deal with it, it's like, you know what? It's an interesting way to kind of view the world, view myself from a bird's eye view and go, this person's really feeling this thing. So I talked to that person and everything and I was, just, I was saying, listen, this is not meant to be any personal shots at anybody or whatnot because, listen... One, it's not even me attempting to do a shot. Two, morally, it's just repulsive. I'm, why would I sit there and put people on blast? But third, I'm going to talk about what I'm going through in my life. And, you know, one of the things I'm going to do is be honest about it. Because, you know what? I need to find out what's going on. Because even, f not for anybody else, but for me, to try to figure out how did I get to this point? What are the common factors? And sometimes i got to dig a little deeper. Is what it is. And like I said, if, if people don't like it, hey, listen. You don't like it. That's just, okay, there's a lot of things I don't like in life. Guess what? We live with them. You keep it moving, right? So I was like, okay, fine. But I needed a while to think about that after having that discussion with that person. It was a lengthy discussion. But I thought about it, and I was like thinking about how, in a weird way, you know, this person said, oh, I heard you said this and that. And, you know, then they were bringing up concerns that they'd heard. And I was like, okay, fine. Because in a weird way, and this is where my mind was going, initially I wasn't ready to do an episode. I was like, you know what, my mind is all over the place. I'm going to start getting into this thing where I'm saying, whoever's snitching on me, I'm going to come kick your ass and everything. No, I was like, that, that's not healthy. Think this through. See that other person's perspective. See what they're talking about. And I do see their perspective. I see my perspective too. And I was like, I need time to really think this through and talk this through. Because, you know, maybe there's a better way to do it. Maybe there's not. It's going to be done. That's why I'm doing it. So forgive me if I'm all over the map today because I'm going to be really going for it. And this is not meant to be listened to in one chunk. This is going to be rambling. Like I said, one of the things about this podcast, and I take notes and everything. I try to keep myself on track and try to formulate these thoughts. But sometimes I just I, I get a thought and I'll just follow it down the rabbit trail. And it's like, you know what? Where's that rabbit going? Kind of like Alice in Wonderland. If it goes down a hole, shoot, I'm chasing it. You know what I mean? So... And I realized that when I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, I'm going down this pit. But even then, that conversation kind of unlocked some more aspects in my mind. One of the things I had to do is be honest with myself because I've kind of done this thing where I'm like, listen, I'm lonely and I'm depressed. I don't have any friends. Like it's weird now. It's just kind of a norm for me. It hits me at weird times where I'm like, crap. Other times it's just like, I don't know. And like I said, I know people, They everyone has – that word fatigue of the virus and everything, but that's part of the world now is that it's like we are like trained to be away from people now. And as me being already having been away from people, it just kind of further cements me in this kind of role of person who doesn't have any real social contacts. I mean, I have a person who texts me all the time and it's like, that's it. I'm like, what, what? in my mind, I'm thinking, what, what does this even mean? Seriously, what does this even mean? But I, I had to do some thinking because, you know, like I said, I'm going to say some stuff and I talk about how I feel. 
And there's resentment there. And I had to be honest with myself. There's a lot of resentment. And I was thinking, you know, I call it a pit. I'm thinking, is this pit more like a volcano? Am I just shoveling down all this resentment from all these years of having been a good friend, having had that social life, having tried to be the good husband and father, and just seeming to come up snake-freaking eyes every freaking time? Is this more of a volcano? Am I just shoveling resentment down? Because a small part of me when I had that discussion was kind of like, listen, anybody's got a problem with it. I was in my mind thinking, anybody got a problem, come see your boy. Come get this smoke. Please come get it. I got it. Nobody comes to see me, though. Nobody comes to talk to me. It's just sort of, oh, you know, you're the unapproachable. And it's like, no, I'm not. The people just don't got balls. That's how I was feeling initially. And I was like, man, it's a lot of resentment coming out there. But I do kind of feel that way. And, and I'm going to get into that a little bit because, you know, there was interesting kind of evolution for me there where I kind of masked over the resentment. Because, like I said, resentment doesn't come from a place. It's not an arbitrary growth. People don't become resentful just because they feel like being resentful. That, that's, a, that's one of those dumb things. It's like, oh, you're just resentful. It's like, well, things happened. And that's something I'm going to really try to get at right now. Is there's going to be a lot of assumptions I'm going to try to nail down. And I'm going to reject them flat out going through this part of my story. Because un unfortunately, they don't lead to any answers. They just lead to, oh, this is just this. And I'm thinking, well, listen, if these assumptions are true, then the outcomes are terrible. That's just it. That's it. There's got to be a better way. And I have to reject these assumptions and kind of find my own way. And for me, being a lonely person, like, how do you find your own way by yourself when you're, in, in essence, isolated? But I'm not totally isolated, and I'm thankful for that. But I'm going to get into that. Oh, just an update, like I said, right now. Um, been at home for the past couple months. Kids were kids and wife and I were sick for a couple weeks. It was fantastic. I was like, great. But I quit my job trucking. And this is going to factor into the end, but I quit my job trucking to get into computers. I know. Kind of a weird left term, but I have a master's degree in some humanities. African studies in Edinburgh. I'm proud of it. I, I embarrass. I'm not one of these people, I go to humanities. I work for that. Screw off. You don't like it. You know, I got a university, um, a master's degree in political science at the University of Edinburgh in Scotland. In African studies, writing about the Rwandan genocide. I actually went to Rwanda. I got to work with some officers and everything. That was really cool. So I'm proud of that. So I, I had come back from my master's degree, and I was like, okay, listen. I got a master's degree. I need to go get the real job, you know. But until I get that real job where that pays that big money, let me get a kind of a job where I can kind of just, you know, make some money in the meantime while I'm working on the real job. And I thought, well, trucking. Because my dad always talked about wanting to be a trucker. And I was like, eh. It's something I don't know about. I mean, I did convoys in Afghanistan. So I was like, listen, how hard? I've driven heavy vehicles before with convoys. So I was like, whatever. And I was a platoon leader. How hard could it be? And then, like I said, lo and behold, I get into trucking. I fell in love with it. Straight up. I was like, whoa, that was a surprise. And I found a company that was really kind of cool. It was McElroy Trucking. It was a great surprise. That was another surprise. And, you know... Interesting experiences getting to my first auto accident, which of all my auto accidents have been in stupid trucks because cars are retarded. I know that's not a good word to say. I'm going to say it because it's the only thing that came to my mind. So I quit trucking after about nine years of trucking and I got into computers and I'm just studying right now for my A plus certification. I said, finally, like I said, I'll get into details about that later. But I, but I want to start nailing assumptions to the wall and put the burden of proof on the assumptions to prove themselves to be true. I really want to start to do that as I go through this part of my story 
as I go deeper into this pit, which I'm starting to suspect might be a volcano because there's a lot of resentment that does bubble up. I admit that, frankly. I'm not a per- I'm not by any means close to close to being perfect. I'm not even close to being close, to quote David Berlinski. I do have a lot of resentment. And you realize that when you, that, that kind of that backwash of resentment comes up, it just hits you and it gets heavier each time. And the danger of it is that I react and I've held back from reacting because, like I said, at a certain point, I'm not, I'm not a girl, I'm not a female. I don't do passive aggressive. I do aggressive aggressive. Some guy comes and treats me, so I'll beat their ass. Sorry to talk like that, but you had to deal differently with other people. So I, I realized where this resentment has to be talked about and dealt with, and where is it coming from? So one of the first assumptions that I want to do is that the mental health is on me. And the reason why I say that is because as somebody who quote-unquote struggles with their mental health, it's assumed that something is wrong with me. And that's how I've – this is just maybe my perspective how I've viewed mental health issues is like something wrong with you where i'm like well what if it's the environment what if you put a normal person in a kind of a bizarre environment don't they don't they become i mean that's stockholm syndrome isn't it if you put them in a different environment they it just changed them part of it is the environment so i was really getting into that thinking okay i have this life where i have this social life. I have this kind of not for the sake of going out and drinking, but I have the sake of interacting with people. And it and it kind of breeds in kind of bred in me this kind of confidence, this kind of ability to be a good friend, which I always paid forward. I always paid it forward. I if I saw somebody who didn't have a lot of people, I go look I go look them up. And the last time I remember the last time I did that, it was at church and I'll talk about that a little later. But at this stage when I talked about the thing with the house went down. This is a this is gonna be kind of painful, because like I said, it was a dark period in my life. This is when the suicide comes up. This is when the violent side comes up, where I start turning on myself. Instead of cutting somebody with a knife, I cut myself with a knife. You know what I'm saying? Instead of punching someone's face, and I smash a tractor trailer window and get glass in my arm. You, you know, the these things start to come up, and I start to really kind of ignore the resentment, but I'm trying to fix everything around it without saying, listen, I'm straight up resentful and I'm violent and I'm going to square the odds. I'm going to go Darwinian on people's asses. Nature's red in tooth and claw. Let's have at it. But at this stage, a thing with the house and several other things came up. And it was starting to really, really wreck my relation, my marriage. Straight up. I'll say it. Give a damn who hears it. It was wrecking my marriage. And I we just had our our child, and it was just like, when I found out about the foreclosed house, man, I felt like I was the biggest failure in the world. I said, how could I have possibly failed? And it always bothered me. I said, there's no way I could have failed. I made sure everything, as far as I was concerned. And I was like, me and my wife, what, what, what could we have done? And so that led to a lot of conflict. But it wasn't that... And it changed the dynamic of everything. It just did. Straight up changed the dynamic. I got these other strange dynamics in the background. They're, they're, they're still doing their thing. And from my perspective, strange dynamics. Not normal dynamics. Not anything that I would accept from anybody else. And if, my, if I did it, somebody, I'd expect somebody to call me out on it. But at this stage, 
then the word counseling, because that's that's usually the kind of the thing. Counseling is when you kind of sit down together and really try to hash out what's causing this conflict. And you're sitting down and you have a third party adjudicating. Okay, let me say this. As a dude like me, who's just kind of, like I said, females are a little more intuitive with their feelings. They're a little more in tune with their feelings. They know how to really tap into it. As a guy... Me, personally, it's not that I don't know how to tap into my feelings. I'm a little more likely to repress my feelings in order to achieve a certain objective and then express my feelings. I want the objective achieved more than anything. I don't really care about my feelings. I care about what's going on and how can we fix it. That's all I care about because it helps me. It gives me a peace of mind. My whole DEFCON system goes back from four to zero. I'm on DEFCON 0 after after the thing's been resolved, so I'm cool. So obviously going into counseling is going to lead to conflict because two different people are coming from two different perspectives. Now the onus goes on a third party who knows neither of you to sit there and adjudicate what each person's saying. And the first counselor we went to was a preacher at a church, and he was a very nice guy, but I instantly started to get this bad feeling. Hang on a second. Okay, sorry for the break. My wife came to tell me about the sweet potatoes. So, going into counseling is always a weird thing. Like I said, as I said before, it's two different people coming from two different, like, spheres or poles. So, say it's like coming from the North Pole and the South Pole, and you meet in the middle, and you go, stars are this way. No, the stars are that way. You know, like, we're from different eras. So, the, the counselor was a nice man. I got a bad feeling, because I went in there... And this is on me. As a person who is litigious, I, I, I am by nature litigious. Most people who know me, well, not many people know me. The people who did know me would know I was litigious. The people who know, they don't know anything about me. They're just, whatever. God bless them. I'm litigious. I like to argue. But I like to argue in a kind of a way that, and it's not so much like the Ben Shapiro online people debating. I'm not into that. I used to be, but I, I like to argue just to get the thing done because you know what? If it's if it's done, guess what? It's done. It's gone. So I went into this counseling and I remember it's for a guy, it's very, very strange. It's very, very different. It's not it's not as decisive. You have to work through a lot of stuff that's not you're not used to. You're sitting there, okay, you go from having these arguments and stuff like that. And so you want to figure it out. Then you, next thing you know, you're getting the counselor. You're arguing. You're thinking, wait a minute. This is like deja vu. And you're like, why are we arguing again? And I remember, like I said, getting into arguments with the counselor too. Because I was just going in there to prove myself right. And I was just hell-bent on it. And I was like, this was a jihad. I was like, I'm going to prove myself right. Everybody else be damned, right? <laughs> you know? But it was like interesting. I was like, hmm. I don't even know what to make of this. So, you know, we sit there, and I remember one time, you know, my wife started crying. He's like, look at your wife. She's crying to you. No, he said something interesting. It was really funny. It was a moment where he's like, listen, he's asking. He asked my wife, do you love your husband? He asked, do you love your wife? And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, listen. This is just how I think. This is bad enough for us to be here right now. Do you really want to sit there and have us talking lovey-dovey? I don't even want to think this stuff. I want to, just, I want to resolve it. Then we can work to that. This is how I was thinking, but I, I didn't know how to put it into words. So I'm sitting there like, what, what are you doing? You trying to sabotage this? Like, don't, don't even deal with what I'm saying. 
And so a couple times I went there, and like I said, I showed my ass a couple times, but I was being, wasn't lying, straight up. I was being honest because it was like, listen, as for, for, I wish there was a course. I wish there was like an online course. Men, this is how you do marital counseling. This is how you approach it. This is how you say your stuff. Because really, when you go in there, you get ambushed. You're just like, what is this? You're going to tell me a little, don't, don't tell me I'm wrong with you. You don't got no facts, Mr. Counselor. You got no facts, please. By all means, we'll, we'll be done. This will be, if you have facts, we'll be done in five minutes. If you ain't got no facts, don't, don't sit there and try to trist my arm. So I, I had to, like I said, I, I, when we stopped going to counseling, and then, of course, you know, obviously you don't fix anything. It doesn't get better with time and got worse, as is usual. We go to another counselor. And it started off the same way again. And I remember thinking, this was the first time in my life, in my 20s, where I was like, wait a minute. Why is the assumption that we have to go into this and do it this way? There's got to be a better way. So I, I remember looking online. This is one of the times where online stuff really did help me. The internet, because like I said, it was forums. It was MGTOW, men going their own way. I was really like, this was bottom for me. Like I said, I didn't have any friends to go to to talk about this. People in my church were just whatever. I mean, I told my pastor everything. I had broken, I told everything that was going on. I told even about my suicidal attempts and everything. And he's a very nice man, wonderful man, but not his, not his speed, not his speed. Just going to call it like it is. A lot of wonderful things he's done. And really, I have nothing but good things to say about the man. This, this wasn't his forte. And he kind of was like, okay. And he prayed for me and everything. But I was like, that's it? You know, I'm walking around with this 50-pound millstone around my neck and that's it? Really? Okay. It's really not going to help. But he did what he could. He wasn't being negligent. Going, oh, I don't care. He was, you know, trying to do what he could. And that's that was the problem. Without that friend base this this is when the loneliness really starts to hit and so start going to counseling i go on forums and for the first time in my marriage i found other men who sounded like me because i really thought i was an outlier i thought i was the like the worst husband because like everything i was doing was going to shit and i'm thinking wait a minute and my thing i the first counselor i said I'm not cheating on anybody. I'm not hitting anybody. Why the hell am I going through this? Like, seriously, just all things considered. If I'm not cheating or hitting anybody, please tell me why I'm getting this. Give me a good damn reason. Really give me a good one. If I'm Hitler or if I'm Genghis Khan, tell me about it. But if not, why? And it was just, I, I was confused. I didn't know. And so I started going on these forums and I started to see other men who were... In these marriages where they were like, you just won't believe it. And like I said, you could, I'm pretty sure you can find women forums where they're saying the same thing too. It wasn't that the women were so bad or the men were so good. It was that as a man, I could relate to those guys. What they were talking about was speaking to me. It was like, wait a minute. that This is what's happening. You, you were going through this too? I don't even know you. I can't see your face. I, I, I have no human contact with you. But you're going through this? This is not... Cause I really thought I was... You know, I hate to use modern parlance because it really is... They, 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 part, they throw out words 
and we all parrot it because we're all creatures of the internet. We're all creatures of the media. That's what we are. I mean, we get our vernacular from them. So something really stupid and dumbed down like gaslighting, I thought I was being gaslit, for lack of a better term. But I, I didn't think I was being gaslit. I thought, I thought I was being told I was crazy when I wasn't. You know, pastor come up to me and say, oh, they said you need prayer and everything. I'm like, wait, I'm not crazy, though. But I'm by myself. I felt like I was in a coma. You know, people in a coma can hear. They can't say anything a lot of times. So I can hear things, but I, 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 I can't go to people and go, listen, this is what's actually happening here. Simply put, I never could get that thing. And it wasn't helping me in my relationship or the father or husband or whatever. But at a certain point, I had to stop worrying about that and say, listen, that, that, that shit goes to the side right now. I got to take care of me right now. And just seeing these men, having something that I could relate to was one of the first times in my marriage I felt like a connection. I go to this church and now all these people and they shake your hand. I felt no connection. And I discovered years later that connection wasn't real. And I don't fault them because a lot of them grew up together. They know each other. They have a different social construct. And I'm, I'm not mad at them for it. But I'm like, listen, don't. Don't act like I'm one of your friends. I won't act like one of your friends. But these other guys on the internet, they, they really, in a way, kind of, I bonded with them in a strange way. Just hearing them was like a beacon of light to me. And then one guy suggested all of his books, and he said, oh, no more Mr. Nice Guy by some guy. And I said, mm, that's a little stupid book. Book changed my life, straight up. The first thing I did was when I started going to counseling, I wasn't looking to blame. It's one of the things that you say, if you ever go to counseling for the first time, you got to fight that urge to blame the other person. That That's the easiest thing to do. What's going on in your relationship? Well, this person, well, he or she did such and such and such, and they're the, it, that's the easiest trap to fall into. You're not going to learn. You're not going to grow. You're just merely going to metastasize what's already sitting on your guys' livers. The best thing is just to sit back and see how you play into it. And that's what that book talked about. How do you play into it? And are you taking care of you? And I was like, no. I really wasn't at that time. Like I was caught in this sort of perverse cycle of feeling away and working really hard and long hours and just never being satisfied and going like, It, it would never occur to me to do stuff that made me happy. I mean, I did stuff that I enjoyed. Weightlifting, I kept doing that. I stayed on that. Been on that for years. And I said, listen, that's never going away. If I didn't have weightlifting, I would have probably committed like 50 murders in like five states by now. Thank God for weightlifting. It's the best, it's, it's the best thing about my life the past decade. It saved my life. Really, just a, a discipline, a focus, a, something that responds. Weightlifting and gardening, children. These things have blessed me. So I'm glad for them. But it's like, have you taken care of yourself? What about just taking that person at their word? And saying, listen, say what you want, and if they don't go to you, that's it. And it's easy because you don't need to go make the person the bad guy or the good guy. You just say, hey, this is what I need. They say, no, listen, all's fair. Listen, everyone's been honest. Honesty is, is the first step. And so I started going to counseling that way. And so I kept seeing this counselor for a couple of years. And I, was, and I just stopped going to see her. I'd seen her by myself, you know, just to talk. 
But it really was funny how that changed my whole perspective. That I needed to go in blaming this person. Because honestly, like I was getting nowhere. I, I really wasn't getting any damn place. I was sitting there going in there looking, I got to be right about this. I got to be right about this. And whether I was right or wrong, it wasn't going to get me anywhere. If this person's not going to budge and they're going to say, well, I don't care, you go, well, then you're stuck. Just give me a second. I got to tidy up my notes and I'll be back in a second. Like I said, this is going to be a long one. Not meant to be listened to in one part, but if you do, hey, you're a trooper. All right, picking up where I left off. So I've, I've been going to that counselor for a couple of years and really, like I said, starting to work on me and taking care of me and doing things that I liked. But I, I really didn't turn that corner. Because I remember a specific New Year's, like I said, relationship was fraught with tension. And I, I really do think guys and girls are different in a way where women are better at a sort of low-intensity grinding warfare. It's almost akin to nagging. It's low-buzz, low-intensity, and it just wears you down. It's kind of like when you put – when they have Gitmo prisoners and they play like Christina Aguilera to drive them crazy. It's not high-intensity. It just wears your psyche down. It's an auditory assault. That's just how women deal with it and everything because – and for guys, like I said, the difference for guys is for me, especially being a guy, you know. Like if I went up to a man and said, hey, if you were a real man, he'd beat my ass. Or you'd have to try. He'd come swinging. He'd be like, what are you talking about? It's easy because you know what? It's decisive. Guys don't have that gear where we can just go up and just pop off at the mouth. You got to earn your spot. You don't, get, you don't get the spot because, oh, I'm a guy. There's no such thing as me going up to another guy saying, listen, I'm a guy. You can't hit me. And I can just say whatever I want to you. And you can't touch me. That's, that's some bull. As a guy, you realize very quickly you got to earn your spot, and that's that's it creates a level of respect. You don't just go up to that guy, big burly guy with tattoos, and just say whatever you want and go, "Well, I'm a guy. You can't hit me." Because guess what? He sure as hell will hit you. Girls have a different strategy. They they have a different weapon system. You know, it's like okay, listen, you know, they're gonna hit you in different ways, and so the, the dynamic always is problematic, especially you know for someone like me. But, you know, the relationship was tense, fraught with tension, fights, and the usual stuff, And but it was wearing me down emotionally. And the second thing, and people say, oh, you're having a pity party. And I'm going like, wait a minute. And that's the second assumption, that pity and being pitiful is a bad thing. I don't know why it's a bad thing. Because pity leads to mercy and kindness and caring and understanding. If you see somebody in a down state, you, your natural good inclination would be to help them, right? I was in a down state, and boy, it's the worst feeling in the world and this dark period of my life, which I would, I'd rather go to hell for eternity than go through that again. Straight up, I couldn't. Emotionally, couldn't do it. Won't do it. And I, I didn't mean going to hell for eternity. I shouldn't have said that, but, you know, I feel very strongly about it. In fact, I felt so strongly about it. Two times, I, I started going, hmm, if I were to hang myself, what would it feel like? Because I'm feeling so out of it, right? I'm living the life that I, I, I'm damning it. I hated my life. I hated it. I hated being some version of a cucked suburban house husband. Suburban husband living in this house, in this neighborhood with all these people. With the mowed yard and the people drive by and they wave at you. And you don't know them. And you don't know anybody. You go to the teachers meetings and you stare there and you stand there and go, oh, you're Mr. Sears. It's like, I hated that shit. Straight up. Didn't like it. Hated it. Wasn't me. I wasn't getting sucked into it. 
And I really started to feel like, whoa, I'm starting to, I'm starting to bottom out. Probably about two years ago, January, I started to really bottom out. I can feel it. One day, wife and the kids, they go off somewhere, don't know. And I go, good, get him the fuck out of here. And I go in the closet and tie the belt around my neck and go, listen, this little teacher. Because it wasn't, it wasn't to teach anybody or to get back at anybody because no one's worth your life. They're not. But it was this feeling of despair when nobody understood me. I was all alone. I'm thinking, damn, nobody, get, nobody gets me. Nobody understands a thing I'm talking about. And you can't go to anybody because you don't know anybody anymore. You don't have any friends anymore. I mean, you're looking at Facebook and everybody's posting and nobody's... The only time people would even write me was during my birthday. I started to hide on Facebook. My I started to put my account down during my birthday. Because people, happy birthday, happy birthday. I'm thinking, you don't even talk to me anymore. I don't exist to you. That's when I met the friend. In the middle of my two attempts. And the first attempt really wasn't an attempt. It was just to see how the belt felt and everything. And I kind of tied the belt off to the top shelf and I tied it around my neck. It was my good Turkish belt. And I kind of just sat forward and leaned and I felt that rush and I felt that choking sensation. I was thinking, a few more seconds and I could be done with this. Just And I was like, nah. I backed out of it. Didn't tell anybody. Second time I really made a go for it and I felt to black out and I just kind of, pfft, I snapped out of it. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like, damn. And not to toot my own horn. I'm a pretty good looking guy with a master's degree who's been all over the world, traveled and everything. I'm thinking, this is how you're going to go out? Living in Elgin, South Carolina in some stupid suburb with people you don't know? Fighting with your wife and leaving your two kids? This is how you're going to go out? For these schmucks? Fuck off. Gotta be there for your kids at least. Sorry to be swearing, but this is this is actually how I do talk. I I I I'm not foul mouthed, but it does emphasize. There's certain words, and I'm, I apologize for that. I'm not trying to be like edgy, but I'm feeling the way about it, you know. And I said, you know, I got a responsibility to my wife and kids, regardless of how I feel, you know. And I said, I I can't do this. That that be that be ill sported. So I just was like, and my job was wearing me down. I have several jobs. I had gotten the one job I thought was really good. And just everything was spiraling. And then this job just started to spiral. And I think the time where I really started to break with trucking was when I was speaking with a lady who worked at our company. We were hauling gas. And she was saying, tell me what your concerns are. And I would talk to her for hours. And she's like, yeah, you've saw so many good ideas. And I'm thinking, coming from the military, I think, okay, good ideas. This person gets promoted. You, you take care of this person. You make sure this person's heard. Nobody would they'd never listen to us. Hang on one second. I apologize for that. My brother's coming over in a few minutes. I'm going to end this one a little early. I'm going to finish this part up. But this is where it's all going, you know. And I'm going to do this next part probably the next couple of days. I'm, I'm going to get that next part out, especially when I move out. Because when I start to have my change in my mind, I'm thinking, okay. Because at this stage, I'm thinking, I'm openly suicidal. I feel absolutely 100% just locked out of my own life. I have these two children I love. I'm, you know, Delta lost my grandmother and everything. And all these things. And it was, her death was kind of traumatic. It was kind of a hospice F up. Really like a hospice F up. Surprised I didn't go ballistic then and start whatever.
But the one thing that did was that book helped me. But I started to understand people a little more broadly. Because I would see on the news, you'd see somebody and somebody would do something violent to somebody, their spouse or their a woman would kill a man or a man would kill a woman. And you'd be like, these, these monsters, you know, the woman was always like she was being battered. But the man was always a monster. And I, I can understand that to an extent because you're supposed to be the protector of your family. But one of the things going to counseling taught me was that men, where do, where do we have our outlet? What if you're alone and you're a male? What if you feel just so beat down? What if you feel cornered? What are you going to do? Just going to take it? When, whenever they call somebody a monster, I go, there's something there else there. There's always something else there. Nuance has taught me that, you know, because I learned it about myself. Because I'm pretty sure some people who didn't know me, if they heard some things about me, say, I was a monster. And I, I never was. I never, never hit my wife. I felt like it, definitely, a bunch of times. I, but I, I realized, first of all, that that's cowardly because I, I used to box. So I would knock her smooth out, one punch. And I was like, what, what on earth are you going to get from that? Never cheated. I, I admitted I wanted to. I was feeling a lack of anything. I was like, listen, I, I, but that wasn't going to solve anything because I'm going to get another female in my life. It's like, why would you have problems with females? Get another one. That's crazy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Listen, I have a problem with giraffes in my yard. Let's get another giraffe. It's like, okay. But for me, it was just interesting to see this. And behind all this was this resentment. And it was funny, and the last thing I'll talk about before I sign off for today. I remember going to work one day, and my partner, he was always late. So I'm coming from home where I'm having these issues. And I get up in the morning, and I remember one day I got the truck back early from him. I called him in because we slip seating. Slip seating is in trucking where it's kind of a, depends on who you're with. Where one person drives a truck all day, one person drives a truck all night. The idea is the truck always keeps moving. These companies want the, the most out of everything and every dollar, so they will run your ass into the ground. So if you drive all night, then you drive all day. You drive all night, the truck doesn't stop moving. They wonder, these trucks break down all the time. I'm like, they never have a chance to cool down. But anyway, I digress. So I had this older guy named Chuck, and he started coming in late. I liked getting out early because if I got out at 2 o'clock in the morning, I could be done three-quarters done with the day by 9 o'clock and finish up my load by 1 and be home early and have more time at home. Although at that time it wasn't really that. I mean, I'd go train in Columbia and everything with my coach or be at home and just get some more rest, whatever that, you know. And one day he kind of came in late, late. Like I got the truck back at 2. He said, I'll be there. He got the truck back at 5 in the morning, and I'm thinking – Wait a minute, you 12-hour shift. You're supposed to have been back by 2 or 3. 3 at the latest. What, what happened? Did you blow up a tire? I looked at his clock and he signed in at 4. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? I got the truck here at 2. And he starts arguing with me. Then all of a sudden, I just blow up. I go in there and I talk to the chief driver and I said, listen, one of you damn fools, if you're not going to be in charge, I sure as hell will be in charge. I'll be in charge of all of you. I said, I'm not going to sit here and put up with this. I'm not going to have this guy start me late. You want to do what you want to do? Walk your ass down the road. See if I bring you the truck back. I walk out, punch the hole in a solid wood wall. Punch the dead man. Company had a couple meetings. The driver manager called me and said, Ronaldo. And he was a cool guy. He was, he was one that recruited me. He was a very nice guy. Former Air Force guy. And he goes, he says something to me that I'll never forget. It's like, 
you having problems at home? And I was like, nah. Now, the truth of the matter is, yes. Oh, hell yes, I'm having problems at home. It's the essence of my life is problems at home. But I was bringing it there, and I could see where that resentment was just boiling over. And at that stage, that was one of the moments where, you know, they had a company meeting saying, listen, you have problems, you go talk to people, blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, all right, whatever. At that stage, I wasn't mature enough to realize, listen, you got to do something about this resentment. And now at this stage of my life, I'm like, listen, I got to deal with this, you know. So, that's, like I said, if I was all over the map, I was all over the map. I feel like I'm all over the map. I feel scatterbrained. I feel like it was coherent, but if it wasn't coherent, I apologize. But, you know, that was definitely how I was feeling about it. And, you know, and to get to the more present situation, so, remember where I left off? Second suicide attempt, which was actually a real attempt. Just the feeling of just flatlining the jobs and everything just kind of crashing. It really is a dark period of my life. I, I really just look back and go, no fondness. I think of the stuff, you know, the thing, few things that kept me sane were lifting. That kept me sane. You know, and meeting a couple cool people at work, you know. But other than that, really nothing to it. It was like that and then the children growing. It's like, okay. And just this idea that you have to persevere. Like I said, it was going to be long. It was actually going to be longer, but my brother's coming over to visit. And like I said, I'm blessed to have family in my life, you know. My son's upstairs sick. Wife's taking care of him right now. So, you know, and daughter's over at her, her grandma's house hanging out. So my brother's coming over to hang out. So I'm fortunate to have these people in my life. You know? Like I said, without them, I'd really be screwed. But thank you for listening. Like I said, we'll catch you next time.